You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome to the DCAU Review. I am your host, Cal, and with me for our 83rd edition is, as he has been for each and every one of our editions thus far, including our two bonus episodes, it's my good brother, Liam. Liam, welcome to episode 83 of the DCAU Review. Yes, we have entered our the final month of 2019. My goodness, I can't believe the year's almost over already, but we've got four more reviews this month to finish out the year strong, and we are going back to the world of Justice League. Well, it's funny. You said that on Twitter today, well, earlier this week, I guess, um, because we are, of course, broadcasting live uh, mornings 10, 9 central, Saturday mornings. Uh, This is not pre-recorded. But earlier in in the week, you tweeted that we were headed back to the world of Justice League, which got me thinking, like, isn't that the same world that we've been in this entire time? (laughs) Isn't it all the the world of DCAU? But But I know what you mean. Oh, yeah. If you want to be pedantic about it. (laughs) <laughs> I was feeling a little snarky today, so I, I well, guess there I, went, you go. I went with that. Uh, but yes, we are back in the so-called world of Justice League. We are uh, flashing forward, I guess, on the timeline, so to speak here, Liam. And uh, the world is much larger. We have multiple superheroes again. And uh, more than just Batman and Superman here, we're back to actually the entire Justice League on this week's episode, which is uh, entitled Tabula Raza, Liam. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a really interesting episode, and we will get to our four main categories in just a moment here. But first, of course, Cal, I have to start us off with our IMDb synopses. Definitely. And the synopsis for Tabula Raza Parts 1 and 2, which were written by Stan Berkowitz and directed by Dan Reba, read as such. Lex Luthor finds an extremely advanced android that can imitate superpowers and manipulates it to attack the Justice League. And for part two, that synopsis reads as such. Android Amazo has absorbed most of the League's powers, but begins to question Luthor's true motivations. Meanwhile, Batman (laughs) reveals he has a contingency plan for Superman going AWOL. Kryptonite. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. It was just so inspired by your your baritone there. It was fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, we uh, so so that's a good synopsis. This episode, if I didn't mention, uh, first aired back October the fourth, two thousand three. So that puts us at about sixteen years ago, uh, which is not quite as far as some of those Batman episodes seem to be. But uh, <laughs> it's about sixteen years ago, uh, back in October. Uh, Liam, so this episode, uh, it brings us the introduction of the Amazo character, who has a a deep-rooted history and sort of goofiness in some ways, <laughs> but also a, has been a major player at different t- points of time and different time periods in the DC Comics continuity. Yeah, he's sort of one of the like archetypal, uh, classic Justice League villains, the idea Uh, Obviously, there are varying versions, and we'll certainly get into that maybe when we talk in visuals, but there's it's a classic villain, the basic idea being he's a robot that has all of the powers of the Justice League, and, you know, with with all of their strengths, and uh, at least not on the surface, not a lot of their weaknesses, it, uh, it's, it, creates a really interesting problem where, you know, this, this, in this case, the seven or 
six, I guess, because Batman doesn't have powers. But the this, you know, the most powerful beings on Earth, at least that we're aware of at this point in the in the timeline of the DCAU, are are really kind of uh, thrown off their game because they no longer have the advantages that all of their powers and and gifts usually bring them in a fight. Definitely. Um, you mentioned in the synopsis uh, from IMDb that this is uh, a, a another Lex Luthor episode. So we have uh, Lex Luthor is our main main uh, protagonist here or an- antagonist. I'm sorry here uh, for this episode, and he seems to be at the beginning of the episode. He's kind of handling his own against Hawkgirl and Superman, uh, but we quickly learn that he is still dying. Um, as we, yeah. as, uh, we, we found out in the injustice for all episode that, uh, yeah, he's dying and whatever, I guess the suit is supposed to be keeping him alive and he takes some damage to the suit and that's kind of causing, causes him to run into an old friend slash lover mm-hmm. <laughs> slash chauffeur. <laughs> I'm not sure, uh, if they had ever, I mean, so we know that they Mercy removed all it, subtext from Superman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's about finer. what Mercy's, uh, what Mercy's uh, role was to Lex Luthor. Right. At World's Finest, we saw that she would just happen to be in Lex's bedroom in full chauffeur gear mm-hmm. uh, with no explanation in the middle of the night. Uh, but this one play, sort of spells it out in plain English that Lex and his chauffeur were apparently quite the item. And mm-hmm. uh, he he seems to have decided to leave LexCorp and uh, his all of his assets, pun intended, in charge with uh, with Mercy Graves. And he comes to collect and uh, get her help to find Dr. Ivo, who he believes is going to be the person that can help him. Unclear if that means it's going to be a doctor that's going to cure him or somebody that's going to help him build or fix his suit. Uh, I felt that that was sort of the line maybe both because batman mentions later on that he was an md right so hard to tell but in in the meantime we find out that he's create well i've always dead and in in his stead there is this 10 foot tall android known later we find out who's named amazo and uh, this guy's pretty special. And, and as the name was, would suggest, uh, he has a childlike mind or a bl- sort of a blank slate for a brain. And Lex does his dirty work to do manipulation and use this powerful android to try and defeat his most hated foes. Yeah, it's that to me is one of the more interesting parts of the episode is as you know much much of the action just comes from you know the big fights between the league and amazo but the actual really interesting part of the story for uh is is that one it does really focus on lex and amazo and even mercy almost as much if not more than the actual justice league in this episode and it's really focused on amazo's sort of need for this father figure that he had in in Professor Ivo, who who is now dead, and doesn't he doesn't really grasp the concept of death, um, and Lex being the you know the master manipulator, it's it's a cakewalk for him to sort of bend this this android to to his will and to lie to him and to make him make him do his bidding. So that that's really sort of the the big the 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 meat and potatoes of of this episode is really just Lex 
repeatedly uh, manipulating Amazo and to a lesser extent Mercy, I guess, um, into doing what he wants and really only getting his comeuppance at the very end. Um, there's also this this subplot uh, of Martian Manhunter in, in an attempt to track down Lex Luthor basically opens his mind to the, the thoughts of every citizen in the city and sort of that sort of drives him mad and forces him into exile for most of both episodes until he sort of <laughs> comes back near the end. Um, but so that, what did you think the, of that? Su- okay. Okay. Yeah. Wait, what did you think of this subplot? Because, oh, so there's, there's a little bit in this episode and I, I'd be curious to pick the brain this is times like this that I wish that Bruce Tim had a Twitter or something that we could, or even reach out to Stan Berkowitz or the people that wrote this, wrote this episode and find out. But so how much it seems like they lifted a lot of stuff from Dr. Manhattan from Watchmen for this episode. Um, I, you get a lot, a big vibe from Amazo in that probably last five to seven minutes of his sort of, transformation and evolution is is very very similar to me to a dr manhattan type thing but even even the the idea you know the the dr manhattan meme you know this i'm sick of this world or whatever it is yes um you know i got a very strong vibe of that even in that first part with martian manhunter where he exiles himself out into the wilderness where he just he can't can't believe that human thoughts are so self-centered and uh rude and two-faced and i don't know mean-spirited and racist and all (laughs) all the things that he hears uh when he does the scan i it's it's an interesting plot but first of all superman is a jerk for asking him to do that knowing what the (laughs) risk was they even he even asked him he's like Marshman Hunter's like, I could open the floodgates and it couldn't close. And Superman's like, yeah, I know, but we got to fight Luther. It's the most important right. thing in the world. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, screw you, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I, so here's the thing. On the surface level, I like this plot. I think it could almost be its own episode, like where we just follow John around um, mm-hmm. for the whole episode. And he kind of goes on a journey to understand humanity better. And we may or may not get into an episode that tackles that uh, exact topic later this month, but it's that, that being a subplot within this episode, it definitely it's full because like I said, in a bottle, I really liked this because it's Jean has sort of lost faith and doesn't understand why he's doing what he's doing anymore. And in this moment of his crisis of conscience, he stumbles across a search party who are looking for this lost little girl and, this time he, when he opens his mind, he hears nothing but selflessness and 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 compassion and, and caring for others, and that kind of restores his faith. And he's able to find the girl and reunite her with her family. And and uh, he and Wonder Woman kind of share a nice moment. But yeah, that being sh- shoved into this already kind of full plot of of Lex Luthor's manipulation of this childlike android and. And, and all of that. It's it's interesting, but obviously I guess that's sort of the ending of the episode, to get back to it, is Jean eventually does confront Amazo as the rest of the League has kind of fallen at his side and, and willingly gives Amazo his powers 
and allows Amazo to read their minds and to read the mind of Lex Luthor, which is uh, Lex's ultimate undoing. And then, as you mentioned, Amazo sort of just feels that he has nothing left to gain from staying on Earth and just floats off into the stars. And that's basically the end of the episode. So, yeah, I don't I don't think it's perfect unless we can get into our plot scores here. I went seven out of ten. I think it's good. Uh, I think there's a lot of interesting things at play here, but uh, like I said, I think it's a little that the Jean subplot, as much as I like it in a bottle, um, is does feel like it could have belonged in a different episode, and here it's 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 maybe pulls focus from what is already kind of a, a full plate. But sure. uh, yeah, I went ahead and gave plot seven out of ten here. Um, I guess, you know what, I thought we were going to disagree on this uh, more than than we did, and I guess in words we did, but our scores are exactly the same, because I gave it a 7 out of 10 <laughs> as well. Um, yeah, I, I think that it could have served, even if they just did a surface-level glance over of this, and I think that it ultimately was just a plot device to get John out of there, so that this power couldn't be stolen earlier because if Amazo, honestly, if Amazo has this power beforehand and can read Luther's mind and is able to determine his plot beforehand, there's no story. So having that as, as the reason why Jean couldn't be there. uh, Okay. I guess. And I, I guess it's, it does a little more fleshing out. Obviously we haven't done the justice league episodes in order, but there wasn't a whole ton of, I mean, the whole first episode of Secret Origins is about John's origin, like his his where he came from and such. But yeah, uh, we didn't really flesh out the character itself. And there's a little bit of, um, I, I don't know, a, a new frontier, like an ode to the the new frontier graphic novel, which is a which is a classic. If you haven't read it before, definitely go out and get yourself a copy, but there's some good Martian Manhunter in that book, uh, him adapting and learning human life as it, as a Martian. Um, so yeah, I, I, I can see why and, and fleshing out that character a little bit. Um, I, I think the thing that I liked the most about this episode and the plot was just the fact that you got to see the entire justice league working together for the most part for the first time, I think really since we reviewed secret origins or mm-hmm. I guess, I guess injustice for all had, had some full team battles too, but, um, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's cool to see. It's always cool to see the team working together as a whole and then it not ending necessarily with fists, but with just sort of John using his power to kind of share that piece with, with, uh, with Amazo. And then, yeah, Amazo just kind of flying off, obviously. What do you think, Liam? What are the chances that he returns later in the series? <laughs> that's, that's, well, it's, it, who could possibly say, but, uh, I, I would say it, it is a, a strong possibility that he could in fact return one day perhaps in an episode called The Return, in fact, <laughs> uh, later on down the line in perhaps a sequel series. But yeah, a, a couple other plot notes. One thing just as a whole, um, and this goes not just for comic books, but for all science fiction, nanotechnology mm-hmm. is such a deo, deus ex machina device, <laughs> where it's like, why can you copy all of the League's powers? Uh, nanotechnology. So not only can he copy like physical DNA, like Superman's or Hawk Girls or Martian Manhunters, but he can also copy like 
the technology needed to make a Green Lantern ring. Or the Hawkgirl's mace or Hawkgirl's right. wings or... <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, so it's, it, I, it's one of those things, well, he can, he can do all of that and more, apparently, as, as we find out. So that's, 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 that always kind of, uh, that, that, uh, that's always just something whenever I hear the words nanotechnology, my, my eyes glaze over a little bit. And that's <laughs> not just in comic books. That's kind of anywhere in, uh, in science fiction or, or that means culture. we don't have to explain. It's the correct catch all be all. And my other um, note I wanted to mention yeah, is that ahead. I did, I did really like the scene where Batman and Superman are just hanging out in the Batmobile drinking coffee. That, that, was, that was fun. That was that was a fun, good fun scene. It was uh, it was nice to explore their their friendship in a little bit there, a little way there. That was uh, I enjoyed that as well. Good point. Um, well, I think with mentioning uh, sort of the nanotechnology and the copying and stuff, that would be a good segue to our next category, Liam, which would be visuals and animation. This episode, of course, we're back to the new digital animation. We're not doing the hand-drawn stuff that we've been covering from Batman the Animated Series or even before that when we did Superman the Animated Series for the last couple months. So we're back to the digital palette here. So we're sort of a different, uh, different sandbox, if you will. So we have a different criteria. With that said, there were still, I think... There was a few issues uh, with Superman being off model a little bit. He kind of had a bigger, like, it was almost like his head was in an angle at times. Hmm. His chin was jutted out a little bit more and his head was a little further back. Nitpicking, but that's what we do here. Um, <laughs> I I really liked when Amazo sees Lex for the very first time and we we the visualization of his powers, his face sort of morphs into Lex's and then yeah. morphs back into his own. And I really wish we had gotten kind of gotten to see that and they do it a little bit you know with Hawkgirl his you know he grows the wings and the mace sort of forms out of his hand with Wonder Woman I guess he gets the gauntlets on his wrists because that I, I don't remember that necessarily standing out but later on he's got the gaunt like gauntlet like uh, bracelets on his arms yeah. Then you have, of course, the Green Lantern ring. You have when he sees Superman, he gets the S shield, just the outline of the S shield on his chest. Other than that, they do. I think I thought they did a really good job of showing, helping him show emotion for somebody that doesn't have a mouth or a nose. A lot of eyes, a lot of eyebrow, furrowed brow movements. Yeah, uh, certainly, certainly some worried looks there. Um, yeah, I, this is our first look at a newly newly designed Mercy Graves. Uh, she has long hair now because she's a CEO. And so a power she has to suit have, instead yeah, of power. a leather <laughs> chauffeur dress. Right, exactly. Um, uh, other than that, you get your classics, uh, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Hawkgirl, Flash, Jean. We get two versions of Jean, his superhero and, his, of course, his natural form. But uh, a lot of it takes place, or most almost exclusively takes place at night. Uh, wh- what visuals stood out for you for this episode? Yeah, a lot of a lot of what we just covered. The the shot, I guess, at the end of part one, where it's sort of established that he now has all of their powers. Where he, he grows the the wings out, he has the ring, he has the visual uh, bracelets, and then he has the the outline of the shield on his chest. I thought that was a, a really cool look of a bit like superhero terminator or something um and yeah I, I guess we can talk about this visual of amazo compared to the comic book version or perhaps the version if if folks listening have seen the uh, batman under the red hood movie which we covered back in episode 50 which you can find at dcaureview.com 
um that that sort of classic look where he's in like the green jumpsuit with the like the spock ears and the, yeah. like, the red hair um i think i mostly prefer this version like there's something very classic and retro about that regular mezo look but i think for sure. this for this world and for the version of Amazo they were going for because they were playing it kind of pretty, you know, serious and straight up and that he's sort of still uh, learning who he is. He doesn't really have a, like a strong human or any sort of humanoid form to take other than that. Like he has arms and legs, obviously. So like you said, I, I appreciate that they did do a good job having him show emotion and, genuine concern for Lex and whether it's anger or sadness or confusion, they, uh, they did a good job. I also like, they, there's a lot of POV shots where it shows Amazo looking at the, uh, the heroes as he's gaining their powers and it'll kind of go to a POV and little like data points will show up, will start appearing next to the heroes as he's absorbing their powers. I thought that was, that was clever. And uh, I really love the scene where, where Batman brings out the kryptonite for the first time. I think that's a really, really cool uh, visual uh, idea. And mm-hmm. uh, I, just the way it looked, the, you know, Batman sort of in his in his glory facing down against this near literal God and just pulling out the, the green rock as danger flashes on Amazo's uh, on Amazo's screen and 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 he's forced to flee and. Then later, when Amazo grabs the chunk of kryptonite and just hurls it at Superman full force, that was and great. It explodes all over Superman's chest, which, and then the follow up of that of the Flash using his power to kind of get rid of the the residue that was left on Superman, I thought was all really clever. So, yeah, there's a lot of really clever stuff when you whenever you get to see like Heat Vision versus Heat Vision or a Green Lantern fighting another Green Lantern ring. That's always going to make for some some very cool visuals. So, yeah, all in all, uh, a pretty strong visual episode uh, all around, I thought. Yeah, I, I liked uh, so that there's a scene where they go back to Ivo's mansion, I guess, sort of thing. Yeah. After Lex is sort of escaped and they they're doing some investigation, Lex is booby trapped and sets off a bomb. So Superman, in order to preserve the scene to try and, and do what he can to save all the evidence so they continue to do investigation, he uh, uses his super breath? What do we call that? Super breath? Yeah, I think it's just I think super, super breath. breath right? Super breath. He says, watch out for the wind, and Flash apparently was unaware of his power to be able to blow a lot. <laughs> he didn't really ever use that in... Uh, Superman the animated series, did he? Uh, so he didn't use his he didn't use freeze breath. I feel like he used the I feel like he did once or twice in an episode, but you typically he did the the like the rapid tornado right. sort of Tasmanian devil type spin to to put out fires and and stuff as we saw in several episodes of Superman, the anime series we've covered already, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I thought that was a cool visual, but yeah, overall most people looked good. I gave animation very strong eight out of 10. Yeah. I'm uh, right in that same ballpark. I went nine out of 10, just some, some minor inconsistencies. You mentioned Superman. This is a, this is a pretty petty gripe, but I did notice it. The bat on Batman's chest was, I thought kind of odd. I looked Mm. more, it's sort of stretched out. And angled almost more like the Batman Beyond Bat, and uh, 
uh, as opposed to the you know the smaller sort of you know straight up bat that we see kind of very similar to the new Batman Adventures bat. So that was that's just some minor things. There's a few other things with I thought with with Green Lantern's head also kind of looking too small in a few spots. And again, these are all nitpicky things, but I think yeah, as if you, if you look at it, just the visuals are a tiny bit off and. Uh, that that brought it down just a bit, but still, overall, as we've said, as we spent the last few minutes praising it for the most part, it's it's a really fun episode, and those fight scenes are just great eye candy. I agree. All right, William, let's move on to animation. Or sorry, not animation. Let's move on to music. Music. We had uh, music was done by Lolita Ridmanis for this episode, and we have. Some old cues in there. We have some some nods to Batman the Animated Series. Uh, his theme comes through in a couple of parts of the episode. It's uh, some good fight music, also. I think that yeah. the scenes are scenes are scored pretty well. With that said, uh, we're still I'm still lacking and and so hard. We've talked about this before on a few other episodes. It's so hard to sort of compare this series with Batman the Animated Series, but that's what we're doing. That's what this whole show is about. We, we're sure. comparing uh, ac- across the entire DCAU. And so looking at the the series and, and just wishing like, man, I wish sometimes that these episodes you would have a reoccurring standout theme for uh, a villain, a, a memorable yeah. sort of standout theme. Like we've talked about so many of those Batman the Animated Series episodes are great because they have a theme for the villain or they have something that that cues the 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 atmosphere when a villain enters the scene and and there is a little bit of that with amazo generally especially when he's reading when he's gaining the powers Mm -hmm. sort of it's it's kind of it's almost similar to i think the like the brainiac theme or something where it's more like just a quick refrain or a like a Mm -hmm. sound effects mix with some sort of ominous horns or strings mm-hmm. that come in so there is a little touch of that but to your point it's not quite the iconic sort of full theme that you might hear for a for a joker or a, or a two-face or even metallo or somebody from superman sure absolutely um that's nitpicking again i, I think it was strong for the most part i think that uh, actually i really really enjoyed there's actually several scenes that aren't punctuated by a lot of music. And one of them is when Amazo starts questioning Lex for the first time. And he, he, you see Lex's face kind of screw up the first time that he asks him why. And, you know, it relates sort of back to that. And maybe this is plot, but I'm going to talk about it anyway, but it relates back to the title of the episode. And you, you think about it when a child is growing up and the first time that they're defiant of their parent or they want it, they, they don't just do what their parent tells them to do. And it's, you know, they very easily could have been an overpowering theme that came through at that point or something to, to make, make that statement stand out but i think it stood out even more by there just kind of being little to no music at that point um so i really 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 liked that but uh yeah i i i think that again i'm missing those those strong standout themes memorable themes i think that's just something that will continue to be missed in most of these justice league episodes because i just don't think it was a part of the production and it wasn't there's nothing offensive about the music i liked it for the most part and like you said uh, some of those scenes are punctuated as he as he gains these powers and begins sort of uh, creating this evolution type uh, type 
transformation. So I gave music seven out of 10. Yeah. I'm in the same ballpark. I, I gave it eight out of 10. I also liked most of the music that accompanied the Martian Manhunter subplot. Especially mm-hmm. Once he gets to the woods and he's sort of, you know, monologuing to himself about all the hatred and, and, and despair he felt. Uh, and then that sort of juxtaposed with when he does, sort of regain his faith in humanity that music gets very sweet and kind of almost Disney-ish and as as he goes and finds the the little girl and then brings her back to her family. I, I really like the scene there and then as as he and, and Wonder Woman uh, hug there, I think there's some really nice sweet music in there. So yeah, I gave, like I said, I think I gave it an 8 out of 10 if I didn't already say, but yeah, I think this is a, a really strong episode for the most part, but as you mentioned, maybe missing that really iconic uh, villain theme that would have maybe pushed it up a few more points. Totally agree. All right, William, let's head to our final category of the day, which is going to be our voice acting. And of course, we have a few returning familiar voices that uh, we will certainly know as soon as we start talking about them and as soon as you hear them. Of course, we also have a brand new star as we have um, Amazo introduced for the first time. So why don't you tell us about our cast of characters for today's episode? Yeah, we have, as you mentioned, mostly our regular cast, but a few exceptions. We have uh, Lisa, Lisa Edelstein returning as Mercy. She's the same voice actress that was from Superman, the animated series. And uh, that was one of the things when I watched this uh, this time, Cal, was definitely I did not remember how big of a role Mercy had in this episode. And uh, I uh, weird uh, subtext of her and Lex's relationship, notwithstanding, I thought she <laughs> did a very good job. Um, we have Robert Picardo as a Mazo, who folks might know from Star Trek or actually a previous appearance in this series. Uh, in an episode we reviewed uh, in the Savage Time, he played the uh, the lead Black Hawk as well. So. Uh, a veteran voice actor and even even has played other roles within uh, the the DC animation community. So uh, I think Robert does a does a pretty strong job as a Mazo again, trying to capture the it's sort of a generic robot voice, but also has to be able to emote uh, because so much of the episode is predicated on his concern and his wanting to to make things better and to do a good job for Lex, uh, then mixed with sort of the anger and doubt. And then finally the, the, the sort of righteous fury when he realizes he's been sort of betrayed and that Lex has been using him all along. It's uh, he's got a lot to do, but I think he does a really good job. Yeah, I agree. I I think I was a little, I don't know. I I was a little hesitant at first. I thought, Ooh, man, because we have, we have the classic sort of Android robot voice. Who's the goat, of course, Corey Burton, who yes. just has such giant shoes to fill in being that soulless, heartless villain. Um, of course we haven't reviewed the episode yet, but there's a tremendous performance in the hard episode from my recollection of yeah. Batman animated series that, ep- that robotic voice. And, and actually we even have Kevin Conroy, has his own go as a robotic Android in the, the follow-up episode, his Silicon soul. But so you have these performances that are already iconic and you're just like, man, I don't know if this guy's going to be able to work, but he does a good job. And especially as, as the evolution of Amazo goes on throughout the episode, he begins to show more emotion. 
even in that final scene, once he's just kind of, you know, wipes his hands of the whole situation and decides, you know, he's, he's done. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think it was, I think it was really, really good. I, I think he, he put on a great, great performance. Definitely. And then of course we have our main villain of the piece. That is of course the returning Clancy Brown as Lex Luthor, who is, I mean, he's as reliable as it gets. Uh, obviously, by the time this by the time this episode was was produced and made, he had had been playing Lex Luthor for the better part of a decade, and he can uh, can slip into that role very with very uh, e- with great ease. And I think he does a a really good job here because again, Lex is kind of the main focus of the episode. We spend more time with Lex than really any other character uh, in in the show in this in these two episodes and. His performance as he's such a sort of devilish, manipulative creep, and you really kind of at the end there when uh, when Amazo starts just tearing him apart and ripping ripping his uh, big robot suit apart, and he's begging for mercy uh, from this this monster that he sort of had a hand in creating. Not it's, Mercy uh, Graves. No, not Mercy Graves. The other monster, uh, <laughs> uh, Amazo. Um, I, I thought he did a, a really great job. Um, and then, of course, we have our, our main cast. We have Maria Canales as Hawkgirl. We have Michael Rosenbaum as The Flash. We have Phil Lamar as Green Lantern. Carl Lumbly as Martian Manhunter. Kevin Conroy as Batman. George Newbern as Superman. And Susan Eisenberg as Wonder Woman. Everybody kind of gets a little bit of a moment to shine. I think it's tough, and this is maybe more of a narrative issue than anything in voice acting, but... When you have all seven members in an episode, there's only going to be so much dialogue to go around. So it's it's tough for a lot of the characters to really have a strong moment as far as voice acting goes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like we said, this, the subplot, you know, Carl Lumbly has a lot to do in his subplot and and Superman and Batman, George Newbern and Kevin Conroy get get to be kind of the, the detective duo who interrogate Mercy and then sort of are, are going over strategy in the Batmobile, as we mentioned, but everybody else, it's just kind of, they're, they're kind of just there to react to what's happening. So uh, I didn't think anyone was, was bad as far as our, our main cast goes, but nothing really super stand out from, from most of the cast other than maybe Carl Lumbly. Uh, I, I thought, yeah, I, I, I kind of see what you're going for there. And I, I see what you mean. It There's a lot of, it's a potpourri, if you will, of performances, not a whole lot of um, of single strong performances. I think Carl Lumbly, you're right, is good. And I think that really the the main person that we hear from a lot is, is going to be Clancy Brown. He's the person, like you said, that carries the entire episode. It's a lot of him. It's a lot of him interacting with Mercy. It's a lot of him interacting with with Amazo, it's a lot of him interacting at the end with Justice League. So, yeah, I, I think that it's it's really Clancy's show here, and yeah. uh, that dude doesn't disappoint um, based on that. And I think that really everybody else did a good job. Like I, I, I think that I think that it was people did what they were asked to do, and it was strong. Uh, it was actually good enough for me to give it a perfect ten out of ten. About you? Yeah, I'm I'm in that same ballpark. I went eight out of ten. Um, like I said, I I just I didn't feel like anyone other than Carl's uh, performances in the main cast was particularly inspired. Again, they're all they can all do these these performances uh, in their sleep. They're very rarely 
any worse than good. But uh, yeah, just for me, I, I felt like maybe, and that again, maybe that's not really, the, that, again, that's not the fault of the voice actors, but I thought the way the plot was laid out and because Clancy Brown, who again does such a great job, but uh, the leaguers themselves, I was maybe a little underwhelmed by. So I went eight out of 10. I hear you. All right, William. Oh, that will bring us to our actually. Oh, that sounds like a bonus point. It does. And uh, I I just thought of it on on the fly here as we're recording live. Um, (laughs) And that is for the. You mean we're streaming live. We're not recording. This episode isn't recorded. Well, the person listening to the future plays after it's it's the person listening to this is always listening to this as 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 it's live. (laughs) All right. All right. I'm not going to question that. Just like the future is always 30 years from now, according to correct. (laughs) <laughs> anyway uh but uh, my my bonus point is for the scene where amazo goes looking for lex luthor as as after the mansion has blown up and he he's sort of tracking him down and he comes across a a bald man who's on a payphone and wouldn't <laughs> you know it when he turns around he happens to look a lot like smallville actor michael rosenbaum <laughs> And, he and he's voiced. voiced. <laughs> yes. And he was also having to be voiced by Michael Rosenbaum. Because, of course, when this show was produced, Smallville was in full swing. So uh, the, that full, that lovely full head of hair that you see Michael Rosenbaum with, if you, if you look up a picture of him these days, uh, he, was, he was a bald man in that era due to, the, due to having to shave his head. Uh, I think he said pretty much every single day while he was working <laughs> on Smallville. Sounds about uh, right. And uh, so I, I loved the the real life cameo of of Michael Rosenbaum showing up, and of course the the joke being, haha, he's he's Lex Luthor uh, on another show, and and he's mistaken for Lex Luthor uh, on this on this show as well, and uh, you know a little bit of a uh, you know a, a retroactive Easter egg to the to the great uh, episode of Justice League Unlimited where uh, Lex and 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 the Flash switch brains. There you go. Which I uh, can't wait to cover that one. That's going to be a classic as well. Absolutely. All right. So now that will bring us to our final scores of the day. Liam totaling up everything today. I end up with a final score of 32 out of 40. And I'm right in that same wheelhouse, but a little bit stronger at 33 out of 40. All right. Uh, so I guess that leaves us to talk about rewatchability. We always recommend. Do we recommend watching this episode? I think just because it ties in later on to another episode of Justice League Unlimited. Again, we haven't reviewed it yet, so I can't say whether or not we'd see or skip that one. But from my recollection, that is a fun, enjoyable episode. And um, uh, yeah, I would give it the uh, I would give it the old rewatch. Yeah, I think it ties into not only a future episode featuring Amazo, but also to kind of one of the main plots of the Cadmus arc in Justice League Unlimited sure. uh, involving what Lex Luthor's ultimate plot is before the, the actual resolution comes along. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, callbacks to, to this episode and to uh, Dr. Ivo and to nanotechnology and all this other fun stuff uh, later on at Justice League Unlimited. So, yeah, I would definitely give this one a thumb up, thumbs up for a rewatch. And because, again, even if it isn't quite uh, quite perfect, it is even a, even without all of the continuity that it establishes, it's also generally a, a pretty fun and easy to watch uh, two episodes. Totally agree. 
All right, William. Well, that will bring us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. As we always ask you to do, please, if you have time, give us a review. Give us a subscribe. Yeah, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or, of course, Spotify. William, of course, uh, we are in the month of... December here, at which we've talked about we're going to be spending our time with Justice League. Do you want to tell the good folks at home which episode we'll be discussing next week? Yes, we'll be staying in Justice League Season 2, and we will be reviewing a one of the first Wonder Woman-centric episodes we've, uh, we've watched so far, and that will be the episode Maid of Honor. There you go. All right, so Maid of Honor coming up next week, streaming here, and it always at dcaureview.com. Of course, you can also find us, interact with us, and certainly tell us if you liked this episode, your thoughts on this week's episode via social media. Liam, we have two different forms of social media people can check out. Why don't you tell and the good people? Only two, that's right. Those are the only ones that we bother with because Facebook sucks. So really uh, even even though the other one of the ones that we do is owned by Facebook, so it, it really they, yeah. they just suck you in. That's fine. Uh, but uh, why don't you tell the good folks at home where they can follow us and interact with us? Yes, you can head to Instagram and follow us at DCAU Review, where we post uh, you know screenshots from episodes we'll be reviewing, as well as generally audio previews, usually on Wednesday before the show goes up. So you can get a little taste of what we'll be talking about before the episode goes live. I don't know how we do that since this is live, but <laughs> somehow we've somehow broken the space-time continuum enough to have an, a minute's worth of our review uh, posted three days before uh, it actually goes live. But you can head to Instagram and see those sneak previews. Well, <laughs> again, darn it. Yes. <laughs> it's another paradox. I blame Barry Allen. Yep, but, uh, and then you can also head to twitter.com and follow us again at DCAU Review. You can let us know what you thought of this episode, anything else we've reviewed, uh, what you'd like to see us review next. And I actually have a poll going, which I think will run through the first couple days of this coming week. Where, nice. uh, as as uh, you may have noticed, if you've been listening to us for a little bit, and we thank you for that, we've done a couple bonus episodes this year. We did a top five list. We did a and a top 10 list, actually, uh, both focused on sort of other elements of the DCAU rather than a traditional episode or DC animation review. Um, and so I just kind of wanted to get a gauge if, if we were going to do more bonus episodes in the new year, and I think we will, uh, what what people would like to see. And I, I gave a couple options uh, that they, you could vote for, as well as an option to just tweet us and uh, let us know if, if one of the if what you think we should do is not on on my list that I put up in the poll. So definitely head to Twitter, interact with us, let us know what you think we should do when it comes to the new year. And uh, other than that, yeah, uh, we'll see you next week, I guess. Absolutely. So I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the next edition of the DCAU Review. Adios.